You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. another edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Thank you very much indeed for downloading. Been absolutely tons of rugby on this weekend and over the course of the next hour or so, myself and Dan Killick are going to be having a look at that and all the other comings and goings from the world of Welsh rugby, uh, including some big transfer news, which is probably where we're going to start. Uh, how you doing, Dan? Yeah, very good, Jed. Probably um, picked quite a good weekend to, to not see too many of the games, actually, which is... Uh... Unlike me, it is unlike you. Yeah, it's uh, precisely the kind of uh, you know precisely the kind of rugby geek that we want on this program. But uh, yeah, not managed to catch that much this weekend. No, I didn't. A fair bit of time spent with the uh, with the family, so we'll be back to it next weekend. Back to normal service. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, I suppose it's just as just as well with three out of the four Welsh regions losing. It was um, yeah. There was oh God, there's quite a few kind of I guess yeah, difficult situations that these clubs find themselves in at the moment yeah not a great weekend at all you um you seem surprisingly chipper though yeah i don't know well actually i mean i've regardless of regardless of the results it's been good to to spend that amount of time watching watching rugby i managed to catch a lot of it live as well which is which is a rarity because you know it's, it's so hard to to catch everything as it's on so actually it's quite a good um it's quite good to be able to spend it and, and watch it live dip in and out of social media as it's happening as well so that's uh, yeah, that that was good. But I mean, there's just loads to talk about, isn't there? And that's the that's the thing is, you know, win, lose, or draw. There's always going to be Absolutely, there's always yeah. going to be opinions. Absolutely. Before we get on to the weekend's rugby, though, wanted to start with the uh, I guess the big news story prior to the weekend, which is Dan Bigger announcing he's going to be leaving the Ospreys uh, as of next season and is heading off to to join Northampton. Wanted to get your take on that first of all. I guess first up. Is that a good move for Bigger? It's a great move for Bigger, yeah. I mean, he's been, this has been talked about, isn't it, for some time that he was going to move away and we both felt that he was, it was going to happen, wasn't it? It was inevitable. I think going away with the Lions, if there was any sort of a doubt at all, 
then that would have been completely washed away from probably just the how well he how well he enjoyed. You mean that a doubt trip. about his ability or No, I think about whether or not no, not not with even I don't think there was any doubt about his ability, but just in terms of experiencing, you know, going away with a new group of players because he's put he's put a huge amount into the Ospreys, hasn't he? And I think that would have, he would just just loved that experience so much that it would have just cemented it. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I hadn't really looked at it through a through a Lions perspective. I guess I mean I thought he acquitted himself really well on that tour and. You know, I think both you and I said when the, the team was announced, because he hadn't played his most fluent rugby last season. And certainly in a Wales shirt, didn't look his, you know, didn't look like he was nailed on starting 10 for Wales last season. Whereas the seasons before, you know, he, he's pretty much made that position his own. But then he came back, showed what a class act he is and what a competitor he is. And I think that's really the kind of thing that will have drawn Northampton towards him because the guy is so competitive. And you know, and he's a, and he's a he's a class act with it. He's got a, he's got a, you know huge amount of skills. Like we said before, he's not necessarily the most running flair ten you'll ever see. But in terms of game management, his defence is fantastic. You know those tactical up and under kicks that he chases. You know he offers a, a huge amount to any side he's playing. And plus, his you know his goal kicking is is absolutely you know he's is world class in my opinion. Yeah, the word that comes to mind with whenever you talk about Dan Bigger for me is he's consistent. Yeah. And genuinely, like week in, week out, isn't he? Doesn't doesn't tend to pick up that many injuries. Um, always plays well. Sort of bosses the you know, bosses the other players around, doesn't he? He did that even from a young age. He, um, I remember when he first started down at the Ospreys, and he was he, he seemed to be a little bit petulant at times, but that's completely completely gone. But do you, do you think it's completely? Gone? I well, still think it's there, and I think he he kind of manages it a bit better now. It comes out every yeah. now and again, doesn't it? But it, I mean. He did have, you know, it was almost every week, wasn't it? Yeah. But when you're that much of a competitor, I think that that's almost what makes him as yeah. well. Yeah, and I think I think a ten should be should be bossy and you can't be tricky, yeah. can you? No, you can't. I think the, the the most impressive thing about his kind of time throughout the Ospreys is how he kind of to start with. He was very much kicking orientated. You know, he was kicking with the corners all the time to the point where I just felt he was kicking way too much, and that was quite a. A contrast in style compared to what they've been used to before, with you know, with Hook in that position, and you know, even when the two of them were there at the same time, you know, it perhaps wasn't the most um, wasn't the most exciting, you know, the ex- the most exciting brand of rugby, I guess. But then I think he he moved his game on, and something he perhaps never really got that much credit for was that ability he then had to read the game and see, no, actually, there's something on. I'm going to go for it, or I'm going to carry this in myself, or bringing stuff out of the players outside him. I think he's always had a bit of, there's always been a bit of stick given towards him about that. And I think that's the thing, is he just improved his game that much that he became such a steady, dependable outside half um, that you can see, you know, why a side like Northampton is has been been drawn towards him. There would have been many others as well that would, that would interest him. Yeah, there, there would. Uh, to, to kind of bring it back to that initial point, though, like you said, I think it's you know it's a really good move for him. You can't. I don't think you can blame him, particularly given how much he's put into he's put into that jersey. You know, he's never taken a backward step for the region, and I kind of felt it was a bit. It, it didn't feel like it, this, this kind of the statement that came out wasn't particularly. It didn't feel particularly kind of glowing towards towards Dan Bigger considering how much he'd kind of put in it was like oh yeah thanks for the service but yeah, it was cold it, was it cold, seemed cold it? didn't it needed a little bit of warmth there 
especially after everything that he's given to uh, to, the, to the region. Um, but yeah, it's a great move for him. Um, I think his game will come on. I mean, we saw he's, he he was so good for the Lions, wasn't he? And that's from having different players around him. I think hopefully it'll benefit it'll, it'll benefit Wales in the long run too. Yeah, I think it, it might well do. You know, we've seen a number of players go out and you know have come back with um, with more variety in their game. I guess Stephen Jones probably the you know a great example of that. Mm. You know, he's always a, a player with lots of lots of ability. So he seemed to come back from from that stint with Claremont like a real like he just stepped it up another level, and he had that huge amount of of self belief. Um, probably yeah, that's probably one of the finest examples you've given there, isn't it? And well, actually, Alfie, Alfie as well. Way. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it hasn't yeah. worked for everyone, you know, as we kind of said before. But it, do you think this is kind of a return to the the player drain? We discussed this on one of our very early podcasts about you know potentially the the player drain not being as much of an issue now. Do you think we're we're kind of heading back to to this uh, this scenario where we keep seeing top Welsh talent leaving the four regions and going to apply their trade elsewhere? I think it'll continue now, yeah, because of because the the, uh, the sort of dire state that, that the regions are in then financially. So the offers are going to come in, and you know Webb's been talked about now, isn't he? Um, it's a matter of time before a few of the other boys are as well. So I, for me, yeah, it'll continue. It's been a long time since we've mentioned Gatlin's Law on this podcast, which again it was a staple of the early the early podcast. I don't so think we, we went a week without it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was one point whether we call it the Gatlin's Law podcast, but that again could be something very, very interesting because further on down the line, this uh, the kind of the the four wild cards gets reduced down to two, you know, providing that that gets heavily policed. But again, that could make things difficult with bigger being uh, bigger being away from home. Toby Falatau, who's just you know, my thoughts on him are, are well documented. You know, there's if he's fit, he's in the side. Hundred, you know, hundred times out of a hundred, you know, you've got George North playing his his rugby away. I think you know maybe maybe that's the time Jamie Roberts is going to find it hard to get back in the team now. But this could be a really interesting scenario. You know, is this is bigger kind of jeopardising his international career here a bit? He probably is, isn't he? Yeah, but he's. I think that you know you look at how you look at his where he is in his career, his age. I think it's just something that. He wants to do more than anything. I think he'll, he'll want to go and experience something, something different. And if it affects his, uh, you know, if it does affect his Wales career, then he'll be disappointed. But I don't think it's the, it's not the only thing that's coming into his mind when he, when he's made the decision. I don't think. No, I, I suppose the other thing will be the, will be the, the pretty the penny that's going to be lying in his pocket. You so know, six hundred. Yeah, so something around six fifty, I think, something around that mark. Yeah, I always find it. Just end up what you're on, then. <laughs> just, yeah, I think, yeah, if you take a few zeros off it, half it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one, that, because I've always found, you know, in football, you look at it and go, oh, yeah, someone's just gone to take the money, money grabbers and things like that. I With rugby, I just think you, you can't look at it through through those eyes, because it's, it's a game that... You're only ever one injury away from being finished, especially you know, the way he plays. The way he plays, you know, well, he's not a training session even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he. I think we just. I think we need to, um, you know, say to him all. You know, wish him all the very best. Really, he's given. He's given everything, isn't he? In the uh, in the black shirt, mm. um, and and the red shirt as well. So I, I I say to him, good luck, good luck, Daniel. Yeah, no, I I'd 100% agree with that. 
The he would have th- had a lot of offers as well in throughout you know throughout his ten years at the Ospreys. He's had other offers. He just hasn't. He hasn't. They haven't got. Yeah, any none yet. particularly well publicised. I don't think, but. Yeah, you know, that that must have been there at, at certain points. But it's usually when they'll sniff around, won't they? I mean, yeah. if there's any sort of a little a little in, then it'll step up from there. So, yeah. The, the other thing he's kind of mentioned in his, in his statement when he's left is the ambition at Northampton. And that almost feels like it's a little bit of a slur on the Ospreys and it says there isn't that ambition down there. What, did you read much into that? I had a look at that and thought maybe that is that is the case. The Ospreys have got have got they're an ambitious side, aren't they? But I, it's whether or not they can actually get to that level with you know the funding and and all the other bits and bobs that are going on you know behind behind the scenes. It's probably not possible right now. Whereas there, yeah, it is. You can see that happening. So it is probably a little bit of a, a little bit of a kick. But mm. he's also being honest. It's just it's an honest assessment of where, of where of where the Ospreys are right now, compared to you know where he's going to be moving on to. You can't argue with it. It's potentially a bit of a worrying sign if that is true, though, isn't it? You know, we've always kind of well, not always, but in the history of regional rugby, you probably have looked at the Ospreys and said that they're a, a side that has been one of the more ambitious out of the four. You know, you look at the the money they spent going back about ten years. You know, the kind of the Galactico era, and then. You know they've generally been, I think across the across the however long it's been now, what is it, thirteen, fourteen years? They've been the most consistent, I would say, out of the size. You know, Scarlets are are on the verge of something hugely special at the moment, but and they've had some great European days. Blues have had the odd moment in the sun. Dragons less so. The Ospreys have generally been more often than not the best side in Wales. But you look at that now; that doesn't feel like it's the case. They don't feel like a European power at the moment. And on the pitch, they've had a you know a pretty sluggish start to the season. So again, I, th- I think that's a, that is, that's got to be a worry for um, for the Ospreys coaching staff for the well for the whole club really. If that is the kind of the perception, you know whether he whether he kind of truly means that or not, I don't know. But I don't know. It's, it, it feels like it could be a bit of worrying times at the Liberties. Yeah, it is. You, you, they're shaking a little bit, aren't they? Um, and you know, Alan Wynn... He'll he'll want to win something when he's there, so you just hope that he can he can get behind you know, mm. get behind them and uh, rally the troops along with along with bigger as well. He certainly won't uh, won't take his foot off the gas will he? No. Um, while he's there, it's just whether or not the Ospreys will use him in a different you know in a different light. I I think if you've got I think you've got you've, I think if you've got another year on his contract to run, you are going to be. I think he will still be playing those big games. Yeah, you've got to use him, if he if if he's fit, then he'll be playing those games. Yeah, and that's what's needed. They need to start winning, and he's a winner, so he's got to be in the side. We've, yeah, we've, good things will come from there. We've said it before. The kind of Ospreys do look like a different outfit when they've got Alan Wynne Jones and Dan Bigger fit. You know, they're going to have to recruit really wisely uh, to you know maybe not even in the ten position if they want to kind of carry on with with Sam Davis and you know again he's not in the finest run of form at the moment, but. Somewhere in that squad, they're going to need a player who's able to, I guess, have that level of impact that that Dan Bigger and Alan uh, Jones and, th- and those kind of players aren't. You know, they're not ten a penny, are they? Controlling ten. No, that's it. When, no, I, I didn't mean. I, I didn't mean positioning. I think. I think in terms of someone who has that level of impact on the game, it might not be at ten. It might be somewhere else in the backs. But we've said it before. They don't look the same side without Alan Jones and Dan Bigger. 
and that's because they're big characters who are able to influence influence the game and marshal the troops. It could be somewhere else in the back line, but I think they're going to need they're going to need to replace that character and that grit in the back line as much as anything. So can you see that happening? Then? Yeah, I think well, I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to, and they're going to have to do it wisely. Like we said, they don't have the money that that the English and French sides do. They're going to have to get a character, you know, in into that dressing room who's going to be able to, you know, who's going to be able to really add something and and deliver the, uh, yeah, deliver the that le- that level of um, that level of control and influence throughout the back line that the big is able to do. You know, I I would look at it and say someone like a. A Jimmy Gopeth style player. I was going to ask you, yeah, Jimmy Gopeth and Dav will be, uh, yeah, David like that, yeah, will be enjoying that. When having was, uh, having missed out on his, uh, you right yeah, now. that's it. Um, having missed out on the Lions tour, <laughs> Jimmy Gopeth may uh, potentially get that move. Yeah, there's I was, a player like that. I yeah, say. I wanted to ask you out of the out of the Welsh sides right now, mm. is there a player that you would say right if we could lift this guy and put him into that side because I've I've got a guy. Have you? Yeah, that that. Is the exact type of person that they need. The, you go to man. Um, go on, go for it, Dan. You've got you, you, you've got a little. Um, there's a little glimmer there, isn't there? There's it? a little glimmer. You seem really pleased yeah. with this one. Let's hear there it. There will be many tonight. Go, but, uh, <laughs> go on, let's hear it. Hadley Parks. Hadley Parks is a brilliant show. Yeah. yeah. Somebody like that. Play them in a number of different positions, but quite often when you're able to play someone in a different position, it's because they're a sort of a roamer and they may they may uh, they may not be that controlling, but they can fill a gap. But he's he has a an absolute presence in yeah. every position he plays in and he, he captains that position doesn't mm. he um, so somebody like that would make an instant difference but he's not he, no he's it won't a, happen, yeah, it but. won't be yeah but it's something like that and I think again that's the kind of recruitment that sides have to be doing you know again when Hadley Park signed for the Scarlets it wasn't as if we were sat there thinking oh it's a massive coup you know we didn't know a huge amount about him well I, I certainly didn't anyway no. and you know, he's kind of come in and, and slot in and look at the difference he's made. Likewise, you know, Johnny McNichol is a player who'd, you know, we knew he was quite an exciting player, but you look at the, the kind of the impact he's had down there. This other guy, um, Asquith, who's come into the squad now, again, looks like he's adding something. First try, I mean, the, the recruitment and the scouting that's going on down there is what's been responsible for for the, the Scarlet's kind of real upturn in, in fortune. And they've done that with recruits and they've done it with bringing through local talent. And, you're right. It's a player like that that's needed, uh, that's needed to to kind of come in and and help the other players around them. Yeah. Well, they've got a year to to find that to figure, find yeah. to find and identify, haven't they? And uh, yeah, I can't see that it has to happen, really, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's going to be incredibly incredibly difficult. Yeah, so it is. Face, I think. I suppose we should, you know, let's, let's carry on talking about the Ospreys now and bring it up to bring it up to date with um, with kind of this weekend's result. So. Away, uh, away loss to Glasgow, which again wouldn't have been wouldn't have been what they're after. Yeah, what um, anyone that you thought was uh, the sort of standout player there for Glasgow that made a big big difference? Yeah, I I did actually. I mean, I, I think um, he picked up the the man of the match award, and that was Dunbar in the centre. You know, he looked absolutely fantastic, and again, you know, he's a player who. He's been around, been around for a while. You know, he's played for Scotland for a oh God, God knows how many caps big he's chap, got. But he? he's a big chap. But he looks, he looks a yard quicker, and he looks a yard. Well, you know, he looks that touch more dynamic than he was, than he was before. You know, he's. I think before you'd look at him and go, right, he's a real kind of truck it up, Jamie, Jamie Roberts style. Yeah. Twelve, but he looked 
Yeah, I was the complete centre. I was surprised so I was... no one could catch him when uh, he picked up Sam Davis's uh, terrible pass. Yeah. Because he's so big, you think, oh, he must be this sort of, you know, uh, just a very slow chap mm. then, but nobody can get near him. He's got so, yeah, I don't know whether he's really been working on his on his sprint drills or what, but yes, yeah, he, yeah. Looked, uh, he looked very, very impressive. And yeah, I, I think, you know, again, that's that's the kind of thing that Ospreys want to be looking at and the way that the way that he's kind of developed as a player, that's you know that's what they're going to need to do with with some of their own you know some of their own talents. Because yeah, I thought he um, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, he was their go to man, wasn't he? He was. I think generally the the areas of real concern for the Ospreys yesterday were uh, they didn't have good ball throughout the whole of the game. Really, they they didn't have um, they weren't able to go through those phases and and get good quick ball. And even when they did, it felt like the halfbacks didn't have their finest games. They're, they're both players who I admire a lot. We've said before, I think Haberfield's a really quite an underrated player. He's a, you know he's real neat and tidy. He's got a good kicking game. He can fill in on the wing when he when he needs yeah. to. And you know I think he's kind of um, what's the word? Kind of deceptively tough as well. So you know I didn't think he had his finest game. And Sam Davis, like we've said, certainly didn't. You know he he cost them two tries and just didn't look. It didn't look like he was having a comfortable day at the office at all. I think he was trying to force things at times, and that's you know certainly no reason. You know he got a fair bit of stick on on social yesterday. I saw that kind of as the game carried on. But do you think his confidence will be hit now a little bit, or I think it has to be when you play. You know when you have a bad game, and you're in a, a run of form. Of course, especially in a especially when you're playing at ten. That there's no you know not that I've done much of that in my life, but <laughs> it's uh, you know cruelly robbed. The world was cruelly robbed of my career as a ten, but. I think that you you definitely feel it in that position. It's such a, a crucial role, and again, like we said this week with Bigger going, you know he's kind of that shirt. He's the heir apparent for. It's all on him, isn't it? It is the spotlight. Yes, yeah, on Bigger, but it's equally it's equally on Sam Davis, isn't it? And the pressure will be mounting. So difficult, as you pointed out, when you got the nine and ten, that sort of axis isn't quite working. It's it's key, isn't it, to get those two, you know, those two players firing, and they just yeah. seemed. You know, from the, limp, the the little bits that I saw, it just seemed as if they were chasing and forcing and then errors were coming and the whole momentum yeah. gets lost from there. Yeah, it, it did feel that way and yeah, I just I don't think either had I don't think either had a had their finest games. Were there any positives um from you know, from the Ospreys perspective? I thought there was a couple of um there's a couple of good individual performances that came across, so as always, Dan Evans looked a looked a threat. You know, he didn't ma- he didn't make any breaks that really counted. But as always, you know, I just think he runs such good lines. He's such an intelligent fullback that you're always wary of of kicking loosely to him. Took his try well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, absolutely. Just um, that lovely line. It's that classic Dan that Evans timing. kind of finish, yeah. isn't it? How many times have we seen that? You almost see it every week. Don't yeah. You? Oh God, yeah, and, and that's um, yeah, that's what he does so well. I think he's been such a fantastic signing for them over the part. However long he's been gone from the Dragons, what is it, three years, something like that? He's been, you know, he's been absolutely superb. And and every team he's played at, he has really, yeah, he has. And you know, he was he was great for us. He played a bit of ten for the Dragons as well. And I think you can see that. You can see that there's a natural, you know, he's a natural footballer. Mm-hmm. His kicking game's good, but also the way. He, he spots what's in front of him, which we've always said, you know, is the is the kind of the scourge of Gatland era Wales. You know, you don't have that many players that they feel like they play to. You know, we sometimes say they, it looks like they play to a game plan, but don't adapt. And I think he's one of those players that 
will always look at what's in front of him and, and he more often than not makes the right decision. So I thought he did, you know, he did okay. And uh, and Jeff Hassler is a massive boost for them having him back. God, you know, he's hard as nails. He runs really, really kind of... It's as if he's got a screw loose, isn't it? Yeah, he yeah. It's just like he's kind of... He's going through that wall. Yeah, man-possessed type so stuff. He had a good game. Yeah, I thought he played. I thought he played very well, and was you know his kind of ball carrying was quite was quite crucial um, at times, and he just does it. He does it so many times. You know, I, I think he's a really really important player for them, and the other one in the back, so I thought did um, did all right was uh, was Corey Allen. I think he's you know yeah I, I I thought he did well, and he's starting to show those glimpses because you know whenever he played for the Blues, like I know he's obviously had injury trouble the last couple of years and. Whenever he played for the Blues last season, didn't look particularly comfortable. We said it was a bit odd, this whole kind of move. And you know, I didn't think he had a, I didn't think he had a particularly good summer at all with Wales either. You know, he's playing on the wing. He, he just, he doesn't look like a winger to me at all. Whereas actually, he showed some really nice touches, ran some good lines. There's one in particular where he made, um, he made a great break uh, and offloaded it to uh, to Fonatier. And those kind of things, you know, if those if those passes come off and they're able to finish it, then you know potentially it's it's a bit of a different it's a different game. But generally, I, I do think they were they were comfortably the second best side across the eighty minutes. Have, the, you, have you seen a slightly different side to him? Then would you say? Yeah, I think he's he's gone back to being a bit more of a he's showing a bit more guile at twelve. You know, he's he's not just looking for contact and he's not just. Whereas I think you know when he was playing on the wing for Wales, yeah, obviously that was that one where he got absolutely munched in, absolutely in one of the huge. test matches. Uh, but he's yeah, he looks like I don't know, maybe that's had an effect. He's looking to he's looking to hit the space a bit more now. I think he's I think he's always wanted to uh, to find a, find a gap, isn't he? Yeah. As opposed to running through. But I'm wondering whether he was whether he was coached in a different way. Possibly. And, uh, it then had an effect and. From what you're saying now, maybe he'll flourish at the Ospreys then because it's two you know two weeks now. Yeah, I think he's he's, acqu- he's acquitted himself. He's acquitted himself well so far, and yeah, hopefully that will continue. Because again, we've we've said before, there's not a huge amount of options in centre for Wales, and and the Ospreys need you know they need every player to to pull stuff out at the moment. Given they you know they've they didn't really hit their straps in the first game, and and you know quite a um, quite a comprehensive loss in the in the second. But that said, um, Glasgow away isn't an easy isn't an easy fixture and I think they're going to go really well this season yeah it's a tough uh, it's a tough ask that isn't it but um... with Rennie in as coach I think that's going to that's going to kick them on and you could see his that, I think they mentioned it on the commentary on Sky you could see his impact you on, could yeah yeah definitely that, you know they're starting to play more like a Southern Hemisphere side mm. you know the um, it's quite worrying actually yeah it is, no it is but at the same time you know you want you know you don't want dud teams there's enough dud teams in the league you want people to be competitive and and yeah, I think this Glasgow side, and we'll come on to Edinburgh a bit later, but I think the pair of them are going to go well this season. And we, we know we know with Glasgow they've got the they've got the talent in uh, in that um, in that dressing room, and that's still you know still obviously they've got the likes of Hog to come back and yeah, they've got a few top like players that. to come yeah. back in, haven't they? Uh, yeah, a player I think for them like he's not the most fashionable looking player, but we're at outside half is a strangely hugely effective player. Yeah. You know, he looks like. <laughs> he looks like a hooker, really, doesn't yeah. he? Playing it outside off, but he's he a really a good player. He's, yeah. yeah, he's um, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of done well. So yeah, it's a it's a difficult one, but the Ospreys have you know they've got to they've got to bounce back and they've got to uh, yeah, they've got to kind of pull themselves together. But it's um, yeah, it's it's not been a good start to the season for them. 
it's going to be tough. It is. I suppose, should we, should we stay in that kind of area of Wales? We stay in West Wales and have a look at the Scarlets now? Yeah. What? It's, um, well, they're just an absolute joy, aren't they? they they've, they've started where they ended last, uh, last season. And uh, despite the weather being particularly poor over there, I mean, it just fire, it shows the ball skills that they've that they've got. Each yeah. of those players, my God, they were uh, they were fantastic. Yeah, to a man. Yeah, they were, and uh, they're so exciting to watch. Now, again, I know you know Zebra, arguably not the not the toughest side in this in this competition, but. Like you said, given the given the weather, it would be very easy to look at it and go right, stick it up the jump. They've got big, powerful ball carriers. They've got you know very, um, particularly in the second row, Bullbring and, and Burner players who will carry for days. You can look at it and go, well, actually, let's tell Patchell to sit a bit deeper and kick for the corners. But the ambition from every player from one to fifteen was there. If there was an offload, they went for it, and more often than not, it stuck to it stuck to hand. It was high risk stuff, wasn't it? They were just like Patchell was doing things that. Uh... You wouldn't expect him to be doing in that type of weather, but they just—they don't care, do they? It doesn't matter if it's raining, snow, whatever. Off, off, off they go. And I like the fact that they—they keep—they don't just sort of um, when it when because they do make mistakes. They are mm. making mistakes at the moment, but when they do make one, they'll they'll have another pop at it. Yeah. And and almost you know if that one doesn't work, they'll go again, and then it does come off, and then they'll leave it then and onto something different. So they're fearless, aren't they? Um, I think so. And yeah, you know, you talked about confidence when we were talking about the Ospreys and you know Sam Davis being a bit low on it. I think everyone in that side is just so full of confidence at the moment. There's a huge sense of self belief, and it's it's paying off. You know, the the backs in particular are just electrifying to watch. And you know, we've mentioned McNichol already, but he's he's just he, you know, he's a lethal finisher, but he's popping up in fantastic positions. Yeah. You know, he's not. I know he played fullback this weekend, but when he's playing on the wing last week, he's cropping up in the middle of the line. He's you know he's, he's running these great support lines. His offloads have been fantastic, and he's you know he's taking his chances when they're there. So I think he's you know he's just looked absolutely superb, and he's he's kind of epitomised what their what their backs are all about. Yeah, he puts so much energy, doesn't he, into the line when he collects the ball because he come he come, he'll come onto the ball quite often late, doesn't he? But it's he just seems to be moving. Um, at a at a different pace to the others, and it just then kicks everything else on. So yeah, he's having a he's having a fantastic start of the season, isn't he? He is, and again to go back to uh, to our early podcasts, something that we we definitely mention routinely is, you know, can Wales play an exciting brand of rugby? You just need to look at the Scarlets and what they're doing, and that kind of blueprint, and look at what Pivac and Stephen Jones and Mark Taylor and Byron Hayward and all the other coaches have put together down there to say look this is possible and there's a lot of Welsh players in that back line obviously we've mentioned McNichol and, and Parks being hugely important but Steph Evans Steph, is Steph well, Evans and, and the halfbacks yesterday were absolutely superb we've already said Patchell but Gareth Davis back to you know picked up a you know, picked up the Man of the Match award. A couple of lovely she has a little dink over absolutely superb you know yeah. he looks back to that Gareth Davis of of old and yeah, that's, he's lost that's his way a little see. bit didn't he and then yeah. But uh, yeah, it's good that he's good that he's back. Patchell, as you mentioned, I think he's he's going to be he's he's going to be something really special, isn't he, this year? And um, I love the fact that the coaches are really backing him and talking him up. Mm. So you know, putting some big big statements out there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the one this week that yeah. 
he's kind of the the Bowden Barrett yeah. of of Welsh rugby. Which I love, which is great, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and he can he can take that patch off. He's got a good head on him. I think he does. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I I just really hope I really hope he can stay fit because they they seem to back him as their as their choice. You know, as their ten. You know, and in a side that's playing that kind of rugby, you need. You know, you need a playmaker who is who's going to offer you not just the the bits of flair, but also that little kick through when it's when it's required. You know, game management's got to be good because you can't go all the time. But um, yeah, I think I you know I think they're playing exceptionally well, and and, and Patchell and Davis have been yeah. kind of pivotal to that. He's still learning as well, Patchell, isn't he? Um, but I think he's really benefiting from the fact that uh, Pivak and Stephen Jones have said we are going to play you in this position. We know you can play it. You can you can play it. You know, fifteen. Uh, but this is where you're going to be, and even centre for that matter. Mm. He's, he, he, you're going to be in at ten week in week out, which is massive for a player, isn't it? It is. I think he's, he's deceptively strong. Very strong. Like, you, know, you look at him. Very he looks, quick. He looks kind of ungainly, doesn't he? He almost looks like kind of lanky, but a bit ungainly, and I think that kind of almost helps him because he, he yeah he just sort of glides he, he kind of doesn't look like a threat but then he just glides into space yeah. and he's, he's, he's got a good fend on he's him he's got absolutely everything isn't he big good kicking game he's really quick that he's deceptively quick and yeah, he, he's got to be one of the quickest guys in, in, the, in the Scarlet's team over over 100 mm. over 100 metres because he really gets going I think he's one of those isn't he it's when he gets up yeah. to full tilt you're like bloody hell this guy's really shifting yeah. so he's, he's the full package isn't he the other thing I was, I was going to ask on this one you said you know that a Guess quite an outlandish quote in terms of saying he's the the Bowden Barrett of uh, Welsh rugby, which you know he, I think we're both confident he's uh, you know he's he, I think he's a little bit of tongue in cheek with that quote, but at the same time you know I think that'll do his confidence the world of good. The other quote this week, which I really enjoyed, was um, Stuart Barnes, who you know again is not a, I guess not a probably not our favourite you know <laughs> favourite pundit as things go. What are you going to say? Uh, <laughs> But he's also not prone to the odd uh, to the odd quote himself. When asked this week, he actually he said uh, that he predicted Scarlets to as his choice to win the the Heineken Cup this season. And I was going to say to you, is that realistic? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not like the Scarlets have just have beaten. Uh, I've only had two wins at the start of this campaign. They were absolutely brilliant. You know, last season. Beat you know beat the top top sides, and um, they they can play many different types and styles of rugby, can't they? So they've got everything. You know, they they're not going to fear anybody, um, but the other sides will will be thinking you know how on earth do we do we uh, do we get to this team? And um, I love the fact that they're all playing with a smile on their face. The coaches yeah. are really enjoying it. The players are really enjoying it. Every time you see a little clip of, of the sort of scarlets, they're having a, they're having fun. They're yeah. joking. They're playing, you know, they're, they're playing cricket. They're, they're just having a, having good fun, aren't they? And um, I think if you're having, you know, if you're enjoying yourselves, then it's going to make it a lot, lot easier. What about the squad? Is the squad? Is there enough depth in that squad to put up with a you know a big domestic campaign? They're going to want to follow up their their win last year with having another damn good crack at it this season. A European campaign. Plus the the inevitable injuries that follow and the the Welsh call ups. Like we said, there's going to be a lot of a lot of those players will be going and playing international rugby in November and in February. Do they have the squad depth to to really mount that European challenge? Certain positions they're absolutely fine in, aren't they? But yeah, they they could do with a little bit more depth. Um, 
as all the uh, the Welsh regions could, quite frankly. Um, I think key is uh, is Patchell staying fit. Mm. He has to stay fit. Um, he, but then you know, he, you know, they did have a couple of boys that stepped in last year, didn't they? That did a did a great job in 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 sort of first team as absences. So um, they can do it, but it's going to be tough. Do you think that uh, they've got a realistic chance? I think they're going to need a lot to go in their favour. But at the same time, you know, we say we've waxed lyrical here about the, the style of rugby they're playing. I think their squad depth is you know, comfortably the best in Wales. I think that yeah. they've got, they've unearthed some real talent. It isn't, you know, it isn't a Saracens slash Toulon style massive recruitment because the budget just simply isn't there. I think they've recruited really wisely. We said already that that Asquith guy, I think he's, he's going to be, uh, you know, against players been kind of knocking around, not playing super rugby, you know, been playing sevens and been playing kind of, been playing in, you know, in South Sydney and stuff. And it's it's really weird to look at that and go, oh, yeah, it's great. But he instantly looks and goes, all right, well, there's a player who's got great ball playing ability, he'll fit their style of rugby. Mm-hmm. I think they, they've just done this really, really well for a number of years and have unearthed the local talents, the McLeods and the, Boyds. And the Boyds and yeah. the Eliases have come in, and you know Ryan Elias or or Ken Owens. You know they're not missing Ken Owens at the moment because Elias is playing so well. They're not missing. They're not missing James Davis, who is. I mean, you're, you're always missing these yeah. kind of players, but They've when Davis isn't there, Boyd can step up, and you you don't think oh actually there's a massive drop off. You look at it and go that's someone who's a real you know still able to have a massive impact on the game. So I think yeah. that I think they have got a, a fantastic opportunity, and I you know really hope they're able to. Um, to have a damn good crack at it this year. Yeah, all the all the players that come in, they don't they don't they don't uh, need any time to then get up to the the sort of standard that the the Scarlet's boys expect. They it's almost as if they just fit into that. I guess a lot of it's going to come back to their culture, isn't it? They just slot in. They've got a certain skill set that they that they're confident will work, and they seem to be like how many times have we said where is this person been? Yeah, playing? they just they they just take them up a level, so they can do it. Um, it's not going to be sort of enormous, huge marquee signings, is it? It's going to be players that fit that fit, you know, fit in with their style. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, quietly confident. Interesting. Ulster next up. We said already, you know, they've they played two games. That's the big one. And I don't think you know, I don't think either of us are expecting Zebra or the Southern Kings to be there at the at the end of the season competing for the Pro 14 title. Ulster, on the other hand, Ulster away. This, this is a big game, and it's actually you know it's a it's a mouth-watering clash. This is a huge it. one. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I'd love to go over for that. Um, I'm I'm going to say Scarlets win. I'm going for I'm going for it. Just it just does feel like there's you know like you say they haven't taken a backward step since that win. I think they caught they caught Leinster unaware in that semi-final last year, especially when they went down to 14 and they were just playing. You know, they were playing with such self-belief. I think then in the final, they went and did a job on Munster, which was just a game too far for Munster. Their that Leinster game, they closed it right out. They did, it wasn't yeah. flair. It was literally really tight. But then literally, but then when there was a chance, they they, they they'd run the pitch yeah, exactly. So, and I think that those you know those two those two wins in the semi-finals will give them huge belief, and I, I've no doubt they will go there thinking they can do it. And again, also spent a lot of money over the years, and I've had some big. You know some big quality signings who've who've played for them. I don't know. You wonder whether now the, the pressure's kind of come on coming on Ulster a bit, and they're going to have to you know have to start 
winning stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they've got, I think they've got every chance of every chance of getting a result over there. Yeah, there's gonna there'll be a great bit of banter, I reckon, as well this week with uh, you know Stephen Stephen Jones and Dwayne Peel having uh, having a having a bit of a chat. Yeah, because of the uh, on, on the coaching side, so that'll really uh, that'll really add to it this week in training, won't it? I'm sure it will. Um, but this is this is this is a huge game, isn't it? This could be a defining game for the season. Scarlets win this. They're going to be hard to stop all season. They are. That momentum's just going to keep going, isn't it? Especially if you can get an away win over there. So yeah, it's uh, it's a mouth-watering uh, prospect. Isn't it? There is the one thing I wanted to finish on. Again, we seem to be going through all of our uh, our kind of Welsh rugby cliche bingo card here, right? We've gone through Gatlin's Law and uh, expansive <laughs> brand of rugby and things. The other thing I was going to mention was the quality of refing in the Pro Twelve. I felt again. I felt the Scots were a little bit unlucky on. Uh, on Saturday night he scored an amazing try which it looked to me as though they just juggled the ball and kept it alive I still don't know why that why that wasn't given and to their credit they just bounced back and and went on and, and carried on and, and won the game you know beat the ref if you need to but this kind of leads me on to the onto the Dragons game because again we saw more contentious refereeing slash TMO decisions have you had a chance to see uh, the the incident in question, whether Halame Moss was in touch, wasn't in touch. Yeah. What was your take on it? For me, you, you, you've got to award a try there. I mean, it's... I watched it a few times back. It's, it's very, very difficult. It doesn't look as if... It, it doesn't look as if his foot's in touch. And even if it, if, even if it's a... You, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt in that position. If it's not clear and... Yeah. And I, it's so, so unlucky, the Dragons, not to have that. It's, it should have been awarded as a try. Uh, I'm not going to ask you because I know you're definitely going to say it. Uh... Well, I always like to think I can be objective about these things, right? But, but I can't. <laughs> no, well, so what? I, so what I did is we we put up a we put up a poll yesterday on uh, on Twitter at attacking scrum just to see just to gain gauge a bit of opinion. Yeah. As to uh, you know as to whether what people thought, and I gave three options, which was was Halloween was in touch, yes, no, or doesn't matter. Now, no picked up five percent of the vote. 60%, sorry, yes picked up 5% of the vote, no picked up 60%, and 35% was doesn't matter. And that actually is, a, is the kind of category I think it comes into. Because I don't think we lost the game. It was a big it was a big decision. I think it was the wrong decision. But I also think, I kind of just look at it and go, well, if there's ever any doubt on it, just take the conversion real quick before they've got any chance to go up to the TMO. Bang it over. Yeah. Get it done. It doesn't matter if you miss it, because it's more important you get the five than you get none. It's over on the touchline anyway. Just slap it over, drop goal it, so that you've had a crack at it. Um, yeah, I might be being slightly, uh, what's the word? Yeah, slightly flippant now. But I thought there were a few occasions of, of kind of naivety from uh, from the Dragons, which you'd expect because it's uh, yeah, because it's a young side. But yeah. at the same time, I think they're the things that they're going to have to stamp out if they're going to be more competitive. So it's with, just a few. Sorry, go on. I was going to say with those with the refereeing refereeing decisions that you know we quite often say oh. Um, it wouldn't have made a difference. Mm. I don't think we can say that it, it, it doesn't make a difference because it's, you know, the game is on such fine margins, isn't it? You know, it's 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 one missed tackle that leads to you know, um, say in the in the in, in the Blues game, you know, Healy, you know, busting up through yeah. the middle, one missed tackle, and then he's gone, and and that that there was a couple of incidences that just change just changes the game, changes the tempo. But those things they all make a massive difference, especially something of that magnitude. So um, I'm a little bit wary of when you hear people say, oh, it, it okay. would have made a difference. It absolutely would have. 
Oh, that's a fair point. Well, there we go. Look, actually, it's you. You're the one who's uh, felt more passionately about it than me. Actually, oh, my dragon so, yeah. socks that's on it. Yeah, it. maybe that's it. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. But the other thing I was just going to say in terms of, I guess those little bits of of naivety. There's a few examples, and it was a fantastic break after about fifty minutes, and then yeah, they made this fantastic break. They're in a fantastic position. Ref shouts released a number of times, and Dragons give away a penalty. And you just think it's those little things. There's another couple of occasions when they were keeping it in the scrum and the referee's shouting, it's out, it's out, and they, and they lose possession off the back of it. It's those kind of things that I think they're going to have to, they're going to, have to kind of stamp out if they're going to be able to, you know, because again, they look competitive on Friday night. I thought they, you know, this team already is infinitely better showing in these two games than we saw for the vast majority of last season. But they're going to have to kind of stamp those things out if they're going to go on and, and win some of these games. Yeah, it's a good, good point. Jackman will be, uh, he'll be frustrated then looking back at uh, looking back at the tape. Or do you think he'll more he'll look at it and say, well, if we just if, if we if we work on these bits here, we can actually get a win as opposed to a you know as opposed to a loss. Because as you said, they're going to be. We thought that the Dragons would be competitive for 50, 60 minutes mm. in quite a lot of the games, but then teams will just pull away. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right when you you say he's going to be frustrated. Have you seen his post match, his post match chat with um, with BBC Wales? I did catch it. I reckon that he must have gone in the boxing ring after that. <laughs> it was, it was. You see the steam coming, coming yeah. from his ears. I, I, you know, I think the the telling bit about that is obviously he had he had his say around the the referee and the and the TMO. And I, you know, I think I completely get his frustration with that. But then at the same time. He says that the bench offered zero impact, and I think that's you know he's been quick. When we chatted to him, he was full of praise for the potential of a lot of players. And he says everyone's going to get their chance. I think this is kind of him cracking the whip and going, "Look, we're here. There's a lot of feel good factor around the region. There's a lot of goodwill, but that's soon going to evaporate if we don't start winning games, and that means that our bench has to have an impact." Yeah, it's the, it's it, he, when he's he'll, he will have looked as well at the you know this the fixture list. And identified games that that are you know like you're likely to get a win, and that's a game there that could have and probably should have got a win, um, especially if you. I mean, I, I haven't seen all the game as, mm. as we said at the start, but looking at the stats, and you're not a big stat man, but you 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 would have thought that the Dragons would have won that game just from looking mm. at the stats alone. So I think you'd be bitterly bitterly disappointed because again, a win at this stage in the in the uh, in the season can just can have a massive effect, can't it? Um, on players as well, so he's, you know, a few people have come out of him there and said, you know, I'm surprised to hear Jackman, you know, say what he said. He's a cute chap though, isn't he? And he'll he'll be looking for. I think that'll get a more of a positive reaction than a negative out of uh, out of the boys. But um, what he wants is anybody that gets given a chance to do something positive. Yeah. And and and, and that's unfortunately it didn't happen, did it? It didn't. I think what it it's an interesting one to say the bench had had no effect because I think the. The team generally played well, but it kind of they they lost players through injury early on. So Charlie Davis went off, and young Owen Leonard came on at at nine. They also uh, they also lost um, Beard in the centre to injury, so Henson moved to twelve, and Angus O'Brien came in at ten. And again, I think that that probably had a big impact on yeah, the that game. Structures it's, it's very very difficult then, isn't it? Yeah, to... yeah. You, you know, you got a a young nine coming in playing his first game. And you know, having to play a, a large chunk of the game as well, especially when you've been working all week as well. If this is how we're going to be playing, and then suddenly 
just changes. Yeah. Not easy. So I think as much as anything, it does show up the the kind of the lack of depth in the squad. There's lots and lots of really talented young players. You know, like we said before, the Leon Browns and the you know Hewitt actually Hewitt's fantastic on that. How did uh, Brown play actually? Yeah, it was good. Again, it's an education for him in the scrum. You know, it's it's going to be tough. I thought at times where he acquitted himself well. There are other times we didn't get the. Um, did he get pinned a couple of times. Yeah, he did. But then he also he had occasions where he, he came out on top. So mixed bag in the scrum, and as you'd expect, bags of energy elsewhere. So, you know, he he is without doubt a, a real positive uh, at the moment. And it's you know these these players are going to get are going to get better. You know, they are going to get better as the season goes on as they play more and more rugby. So, you know, it's great to see quite a few of the young props, isn't it? Uh, Across all the regions, across all yeah. the regions, yeah, getting getting game time, um, but it's quite often going to lead to losses. Yeah, it will. It, it's tough, and those players will come back. Will come back better, you know. Will come back in, um, in, in better shape. And every, you know, particularly at tight head prop, you learn every time you go up against a, you know, a gnarly old loose head, and mm-hmm. and I think, uh, you know, I think he'll be he'll be learning absolutely loads from that. So, yeah, it was interesting. The main thing that stood out for me though was the. We didn't look particularly. We looked really good with ball in hand at certain stages, and I think, like I said last week, we were doing a really good job of of getting to commit the defender and then looking to ship it. Did that well. Good sense of ambition. It's when we're getting in the oppo twenty two that we look a bit rushed and don't look as though there's that element of composure. We don't look like we score. We're going to score tries, you know, and and that's been evident in the first two games. So again, hopefully those things will come as the as the season goes on, but. Connacht at home next up. It's a big game that, and I think hopefully there'll be another good gate down at Rodney, and if they can do that and get a good performance and, and squeeze a win out of that game, then I think all of a sudden it starts to pick up a bit of momentum, and you just don't want to go too long without registering that win because again that goodwill it's great, but it's only in the bank for so long. What do you reckon then? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say I think we're going to eke out a win there. I think we will. Win, yeah. yeah, I do. I think. Uh, it's one to be looking at, and we'll would love to get a, a winner. Like you know, Leinster first up is a bloody hard game. Quitting themselves wet, well, but then Leinster ran away with it towards the end of the game. Edinburgh away, I've been really impressed with Edinburgh in the first two games. I thought they at the breakdown they are phenomenal. Um, if they you know, really they're, are, they? yeah, they and they've then, just uh, been they've been superb. And obviously, again, Dragons are missing. And missing Nick Cuddock the whole season, which is a That's massive a blow. blow isn't it? You know, he's against such an underrated player, man. and you know, he turns over so much ball for them. And then Ollie, Ollie Griffiths yet to come back into the side as well. I think the I think the back row have done a have done a good job in the first two games, but they're definitely missing a you know a true out and out of seven in there, which I think Griffiths will add. But yeah, Edinburgh have been fantastic. But this one at home, got to be looking at it and going right, get everything right tonight, and and we can get a win here. Yeah, yeah. We need that. Someone else I wanted to mention quickly was uh, Blacking or Oh God, he's not Jesus. Welsh. Jesus, I wish he was. This is it. Yeah, we haven't done the wish he was Welsh feature for a while, but I think he could well have picked that up this weekend. God, he's what a, a player. Yeah, that you know they showed some lovely touches, and he's a player you do not want to kick too loosely. You know, there was a point where there was it was actually a really good kick down to down to the left hand touchline, which he gathered, and he just. Blitzed him, he brushed off Tyler Morgan as if he wasn't there. And, you know, God knows, 50, 60 yards he made on that one break. Got on the score sheet again. I don't, I, 
he's an odd looking mm. an odd looking chap when he glides through is he and then you don't expect somebody like that to have an offloading game and yeah. he just produces these lovely offloads so yeah he's certainly one to watch this year yeah I, I couldn't agree more but uh, yeah I think um, again you know, things like that we said it with um, with Dunbar at Glasgow you know you watch these players kind of develop if you watch Blair Kinghorn play towards the, t- the latter end of last season you say yeah he is play low on confidence again that change in the dressing room I think Cockrell has done has brought about a, a discipline and a structure that is definitely paying dividends for Edinburgh. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them go well this season. Yeah, he's, he's also put that belief into the into key individuals, and he said, "You are good players. Go out there and, and show it." And none Which, more. Again, it can yeah. be as simple as that, can't it? And none more so than uh, than Kinghorn. Yeah, absolutely. The other game on Friday night. Cardiff Blues again. It's it's been a difficult start to the season for them. Uh, that's one game you did manage to see, am I right? Yeah, I did catch uh, catch that game. Um, Blues were a lot a lot more competitive, a lot better than I than, than last week, but um, they still made far too many basic errors in my opinion, and um, tactically were were off the mark at times as well. So there's there's a lot to um, a lot to work on. Did you catch any of the uh, I saw, I saw all four this weekend. Yeah, this is it. Um, yeah, you agree I did. With those comments, or? yeah, I thought my my opinion on it was much better first half, but then were were blown away really in the in the second half. I think that was the Leinster bench having a, a massive impact again. You know, we talk about squad depth uh, a couple of times already on this podcast, and there's very few sides in the league with as as good a depth as. As Leinster, you know, look at the players they've got to come back into that squad, and uh, it gets even even stronger. But yeah, I, you know, we always knew this was going to be a tough game for the Blues, and off the back of such a disappointing performance in the first game, that first half did feel a lot better. There were there were definitely some positives in there. I'm going to talk about them first. I think so. For me, I thought the lineout was was much better. Their own lineout ball felt a, kind of felt a much a marked improvement on the week before. Matthew Reese had a good game, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think you know, obviously, still proving he's got something to something to offer at, at this stage in his career. Similar vein, I thought the scrum went went pretty well at times, and you know, again, that's not a again, Lens is never an easy never an easy game uh, scrummaging wise. I think Reese Gill and and Matthew Reese have have proven to be a you know really good strong scrummaging combination there, and. Azarati alongside them again, as we, exactly as we've said with with Leon Brown, he's going to learn a hell of a lot from uh, you know from going up against Kian Healy. Yeah, but it was yeah, absolutely. He'll, he'll definitely learn a lot there. It was peculiar the scrum. I mean, there were penalties that you know Cardiff got pinged for a few, and then uh, you know when the pressure seemed to be mounting, suddenly Cardiff would win a would win a, would win yeah. a key scrum. So um, yeah, he had a mixed bag um, Azarati, didn't he? But he. Although he did, he was everywhere in the loose, wasn't he? Popping up, um, and he'll only he'll only benefit from games like that. They don't they don't come much tougher than that, do they? But I think Matthew Reese is having a is is absolutely key to uh, to if if Azarati and the young boys are going to be playing, just because yeah. he'll be helping out that scrum so much. I think if we saw you know if Kirby Myhill was starting with him, we it'd be a totally totally different outcome there. Yeah, yeah, um, I think you're right. Um, so we need so Matthew needs to continue. 
for uh, for a while. What about when Christian Dacey comes back, though? I mean, Dacey has been a, one of the one of the standout performers for Cardiff Leeds for a, certainly last season and the season before. Now he's a different player altogether. He's much smaller. He, he's all about mobility. He is. Yeah, he's a back. Well, he's back row converted, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, he'll he'd be missed around the park. I mean, Matthew Reese isn't going to be you know covering every blade of grass like he is, but. Again, that that foundation. If uh, if you don't get that right, then you know, arguably can't, you, you can't win a game, can you? Mm. So you, you've got you, for me, you've got to stick with Matthew Reese for the time being because the Blues have no option but to play these young uh, these young props. You've got to you, you've got to bear in mind his his age as well. And you look at some of the other old campaigners that they've got up front. You know, if they're going with Gethin, Matthew Reese, and Tau Felice on a regular basis, they're, you know, they're not going to be able to play the whole season. These guys, see, so I think you're going to have to use them sparingly. Is it perhaps then a question of horses for courses and against a side that potentially isn't as much of a threat scrummaging wise? You look at yeah. Daisy and yeah, just mix, just mixing it up and being sensible with uh, with the, with the selections, isn't it? And then making sure that the uh, the players are aware of what's going on um, and playing a you know maybe playing a slightly different pack then depending on who you you know behind them as well. Mm. Um, and the second row is going to be is is a, is a tough uh, a tough position for the Blues, I think, at the moment, isn't it? I thought um, I thought uh, Seb played well. Yeah, I thought he's. I think that was that was two good games in a row. I actually, I actually do think that the second row looks looks an improvement. I thought I thought Welsh did all right as well. Yeah, I um, thought they did. I thought they did uh, did okay. It, it, for me, the um, Cardiff they. they they didn't. They didn't take advantage at key times, did they? Mm. I mean, uh, Nathaniel when he had the, you know, the yellow card, he's a key player for them. Yeah, he was obviously playing out of position at twelve, but he's so good that you can play him in most positions. And I thought, right, this is going to be a time when you know the Blues can pick up a few points. But the opposite happened, and uh, they ended up picking up, a, you know, picking up a try, didn't they? Um, but it was they just left. At critical times, they left they left points you know they left points out on the park. I mean, when um, when uh, Lilo cut that lovely line, yeah, beautifully weighted pass from Shingler, it was a golden two on one. Ruin Williams was was in a great position, and Lilo basically passed it to the floor. Well, you said yeah, it was a beautiful weighted pass from Shingler, and the pass from Lilo to Ruin Williams was anything but beautifully yeah. weighted. Yeah, that's it. Did he, did he have one <laughs> eye though? Playing devil's advocate, did he have one eye on the? Blatant shoulder bars that came in from Rob Carney. Probably, yeah. He came in like an absolute battleship, didn't he? Uh, that was another yellow for me. That was a yellow, yeah, yeah. Um, I know he had a good look at it, didn't mm. he, from a few different angles. But every angle I looked at it was a was a yellow. He didn't wrap his arm around, did he? It, it sort of his arm loosely sort of, yeah. uh, you know, came around the side. But that's not a, that wasn't a that was a tackle. That was a blatant shoulder charge. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. I. That said, I still think Lilo could have got the pass away, and yeah, again, if he that, should have, shouldn't he, at that level? Like, like we said, you know, like we said a minute ago, if you get if he gets that pass away, Reen Williams is in, try scored, confidence up, the referee and the TMO get it right and ping, and they're down to thirteen men. Yeah, that could be a totally an, different. Game. That's a completely different. And it was game. also that was that move was within about the first minute of the yellow, wasn't it? So mm. you then would have had nine minutes on the one yellow, yeah. yeah then they pick up a second. So again, those. Those fine lines, isn't it? That that make it that make a big difference. Because Leinster, you know, they had a their um, their driving line out for me was was, was you know was spectacular. Strong. That. Yeah, they they've got that power game, haven't they? So you've got to make sure that whenever you get a chance, you you you, you take it. And there was, t- 
yeah, they just made too many too many basic errors. Leinster were very cute in the fact that they worked the short side well, looking for mismatches. Um, and the Blues, I thought, when they were, because Leinster were rushing up so quickly, that there was op- there was options at times where the Blues could have just put little grubber kicks through. I identified like three or four passages. Yeah. Little grubber kicks through. Ruin Williams is such a good, he, he can read those. Um, and also, I would have liked to have seen the Blues run in, um, in pairs. And then fixing one of the guys, and then having a like a like a lazy like a lazy pass. They did it. They did it once or twice. I think once with once was with Cuthbert, um, but then we never saw it again. Yeah. Um, so they they literally had they had points in the game where they tried things, but they didn't do the, the things that worked um, enough of them, and they the, the pressure mounted because they then spilled ball, knocked on, and their error count was 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 too high. But it was certainly um, uh, a better performance. From, from, from the Blues it was the, the thing I found strange there and I think we said this last week it's just I, I thought the backs were, were better but like you said there's, um, it was the one thing you could kind of rely on the Blues last season was that they'd give you an ex, you know they were an exciting side to watch the backs in these two games just haven't clicked for me I thought it was a better performance I thought they looked better with Shingler at, at 10 again that's no slight on, on Jared Evans who I think you know, I think he's got, he's got bags of ability, and I think we'll see we'll see some good stuff from him. But I thought Shingler gave him the control that they needed in a game like that. And like you said, there's a few glimpses, like when he put Lilo in, that kind of shows what he's able to offer. Yeah, he did. He did make he made a difference, didn't he, Shingler? First half, they um, first half the tactics were, were were pretty good from you know from the Blues really. I think him and Lloyd, they um, they kicked well. Mm. So Lloyd's kicking game was strong. And then Shingler, Shingler's was as well. But then in the second half, they um, they just decided to, for some reason, not do what they did in the first half, which then allowed Leinster to just gain that momentum, get the forwards back into it, and they were just squeezing out the Blues, weren't they? Um, but I, yeah, you're right. I don't think the the Blues have they know exactly how they want to play in the backs. They yeah. just seem they seem a bit lost at the moment, um, and that shows from they they try in different they they try in different things. Um, and not sticking to it, not sticking to to, to one game plan. Yeah, it's it's strange. Um, it's, yeah, I've been trying to pick the positives out of it because I thought it was a it was in, an improved performance, but at the end they absolutely ran away with it, Leinster. Uh, but prior to that, I, th- I thought you could you started to see Sean Edwards's impact on the defence. Yeah, I thought it was some really good scramble defence in the first half. They were up quickly, weren't they? When they were under the pump in the first ten minutes of the game. You see, that was good. You're right. Line speed was good. You know, I think that's definitely an area they've improved on. So it's not all doom and gloom for the Blues, but at the same time, they're going to need. You know, they are going to need to be better than that across the course of this season. Otherwise, it's going to be a very, very long season indeed. Yeah, definitely. Um, a point that I thought they should have picked up on and exposed was the young, uh, the young Leinster ten, Ross Byrne. Um, I, I would have put a lot more pressure on him, but um, you know he made a couple of he made a couple of errors himself. Just not from not from Cardiff Blues's pressure, just from a couple know. of unforced errors. Yeah, I think so, really. But th- I would have liked to have seen the, you know Blues have a, have a have a run at him, either in the forwards or the backs, and just sort of trying to make him uh, creak under pressure. But that didn't that didn't happen at all. Um, so I think that was a, there was there was a missed opportunity there. Um, and, but then to to 
you know, I think we need to give them some credit. I mean, that that final try they scored by uh, Lamar to finish. Oh, lovely, yeah, that one, yeah. Yeah, at the uh, was was just brilliant, wasn't it? The off and the hands, yeah, from all the forwards were 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 great. But they relied. The difference was really if we if we knock it down the their big players their big forwards carried really well didn't they when it mattered and that just gave them gave them the front football and then from there the backs backs were able to score some tries for the for the blues i think the reason why they um we haven't seen too much of the backs is because the forwards haven't had haven't had that yeah uh, you know that that control then it's difficult as well i what again i feel like i'm giving all the positives tonight actually which is a definite change in change in behaviour because it's normally you looking on the optimistic side but the other thing I would say is again early on in that first half picked up a a few turnovers in there kind of three there's three turnovers fairly early on and given that the side you know we've said before Navidi is a seven but he played a lot of his rugby at six and a lot of it at eight in the last couple of years and I thought he did a good job Turnbull has has played most of his rugby in the second row over the last season. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. yeah, he did. And then Macaulay Cook is a is a second row slash back row. So I actually thought that given the the kind of quality of what they're yeah, against, and, and what yeah. they're and what they're missing in an Ellis Jenkins or a or a Sam Warburton in the back row, I thought they they did have a good a good crack at it. But they yeah. really did, didn't they? And it's yeah, you did. They really did have a good crack, didn't they? Um, they did, but I, I think it, yeah, it was it was a definite step up from the week before. But I don't think it's almost like the scoreboard in the first game against Edinburgh didn't tell the story of just how bloody bad they were. Because I, I really did think they were. I thought they were lucky to be in that game at any point. And this was a much more spirited performance against tougher opposition away from home. But at the same time, the end of the game, they they just got kind of blown away. Yeah, and that's what. You know, that's what uh, what matters, isn't it? Really, the, the, you know, the, the, the scoreline. They just completely ran away, didn't they? With with you know, ten, eleven minutes to go. It was. Um, I think we should mention, you know, Dylan Lewis, um, Corey Domacheski. Mm-hmm. Pronounced that right. And obviously, you Kieran, really do, Dan. But yeah, carry on. Kieran Azarati from yeah. yeah from from the beginning. Um, it's good to see those. Good to see those boys, isn't it, on the park and especially at you know at, at, in the cold face there in yeah. the front row. It's very very difficult for them at that at, at that age, and they've got to, they've got to learn. So, I, I had a smile on my face when you know, when when they all uh, they were all involved. Really, mm. it's just it's good to see, isn't it? But like you said, it needs to be because the the kind of the gap between between the Azerati, gap. yeah, between yeah. the Azerati and the and the Lewises and uh, and Domachowski, yeah, with with uh, yeah the likes of of Smiler and. And Fao Felice yeah. and, and Gethin Jenkins, yeah, it's it's an interesting one to see. But you know they, they're going to need these players to come through, and it's good having those older heads alongside them, which I'm sure will, will help them in the long run. But it's going to be tough next up as well. They're yeah. at home, but it's Glasgow. Glasgow at home, yeah. They, well, their next three games: Glasgow, yeah, Glasgow home, Connacht away. Mm-hmm. That won't be easy. Not again. Opportunity for more cliches there: swirling wind and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> things along those lines. And then. Munster. That's it. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Not um not easy. They could really use a you know, right now you'd want to be playing Zebra or the yeah, Southern Kings. Yeah, I know you would, yeah. Just give them one of those games. Yeah. And just give them a bit of a bit of a lift. But you know, you've got to play them all of them, you so if they can get one of these wins now, it'll it'll be a different kettle of fish, but it's gonna be really hard. 
And as, as we said this time last year, there were people calling for Wayne Pivak's head and look at the Scarlets now. So things can change across the course of a season. It's very, very early days, but the Blues are going to have to get better than this because they've, you know, they've been patchy at best so far. So yeah, fingers crossed they're able to they're able to do that. Glasgow home. What you what do you reckon? Uh, I think Glasgow will have too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I think they're going to be they're going to be a damn good side this season, and uh, and the Blues are struggling. Like I say, I think right now they need a win for for confidence' sake. But that's not you know even though it's a home game, it's not something you want to come up against right away. So I do think it's going to be a difficult one. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult one for them. Hopefully, there's a big turnout, a lot of a lot of fans down there, making a lot of noise. Going to need to be, I think. And um, yeah, I'd love to see it. Love to see a Cardiff Blues win there. Right, coming towards the uh, coming towards the end of the podcast, what we'll do now is have. Uh, a look at the, the players who've, who've really impressed us this week. So this is a feature that we started last week with our pals over at Edraig, the website which uh, you should definitely go and have a check out if you're a, if you're a fan of Welsh sport, which I imagine you are if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, make sure you do go and have a look over there. So there's, there's plenty of rugby content. Uh, also covers uh, cricket and football and boxing and all sorts. I think particularly football this week, given uh, given uh, two remarkable results for Wales. Definitely worth having a look. But one thing they have been doing on there now, which will, will carry on throughout the course of the season, is they name a team of the week, and then we basically have a chat about it uh, and, and see kind of who would who would make ours. I'm very much in selector's chair this weekend, Dan, given the amount of given the amount of rugby I've, I've watched and, and you've had a, so yeah, then. a little sabbatical. So do you want to just go through... Hang uh, on, they're all, you... they're all Dragons Blues. <laughs> you've just okay. See, I love the way you keep saying I'm, I'm, I'm the biased one on this. I'm genuinely not. Do you want to just read through the, um, uh, the, the side from adrag.co.uk? Okay, here we go. McNichol, Hewitt, Morgan, Allen, Evans, Patchell, Patchell. Davis, James... D, Lee, Bullbring, Byrne, Shingler, Boyd, and Barkley. It's hard this mean? it's hard this week to not pick all Scarlets, Scarlets given given the thing, kind yeah. of the woes of the other sides versus versus the Scarlets. And I've got to say, I'm I'm not a million miles away from from their selection. I'd have to go McNichol at fifteen. He's just electric again. But I would say honourable mentions for for Dan Evans and Reen Williams, who I thought acquitted themselves uh, acquitted themselves pretty well. Ashton Hewitt, I probably didn't mention enough, but I've been really, really impressed with him in these two games. He go well. He went really well. I mean, we know what a threat he is with ball in hand, and I think just a little bit more space, and we're going to start to see him getting on the score sheet a lot this season. But what I was really impressed with was him in defence and his strength. Stripped the ball a couple of times. Um, you know, some great covering, um, covering defence. And I think he's really kind of he's really developing his game. He looks like he's really enjoying his rugby at the moment. So yeah, I'm really impressed with him. Go for Tyler. Uh, so the boys have gone for Tyler Morgan at thirteen. I'd be tempted to, I'd be tempted to look <laughs> again at putting a Scarlet in there. I'd probably go Parks over uh, over Scott Williams this weekend. Just again, like we said earlier, I thought Parks was, you know, just proving what a, what a fantastic talent he is. Corey Allen, we covered. I think I think he did very well this weekend, uh, and you know, in a in a side that was struggling. So yeah. I'm happy with that Great one. To see him in there. Was yeah. Steph Evans was electric. And I would probably go with that, but again, honourable mention for for Jeff Hassler there, who I think, uh, as we said, is going to be is going to be crucial for the Ospreys. Patchell and Davies nine and ten, absolutely, and just any side you're picking at the moment, you'd be hard pushed to to look past those. Uh, 
one change I would make, so again, I thought Paul James went well, and again, talking to players who just seem to carry on going and going, he's done fantastically, but I'm going to go He's getting better, isn't he? Yeah, I've always thought he's an underrated player, Paul James, you know, whether it be loose head or tight head, he's, you know, he's just been such a fantastic servant for the Ospreys, and for Wales during that time, you know, big, big fan of Paul James, he's a hard bastard, and I I love that in a prop, but I am actually going to go for Reese Gill, I think in a side that, like we said, that has been struggling, Reese Gill has, has kind of acquitted himself really well in these two games, and uh, it's good to see because he's a player again. I think I think he's kind of it was overlooked when he was at Saracens for so long. He played for them, but but didn't really get much of a look in with the Wales team. But uh, I think he's I think he's a really good player and um, and did really well. Yeah, I, I, moving on to Hooker Elliot D. Obviously, uh, big fan, big fan of his, and good to see him again. Hopefully, you know he's able to stay fit throughout the course of this season. So. I'm happy to see uh, I'm happy to see Elliot D and they're gonna to have to have a dragon in there. But likewise, I thought Reese, as we've said, went well and uh, and Ryan Elias continues to impress. Yeah. And um yeah, so uh so you well I mean there there is just a wealth of hookers in Wales at the moment. We're, we're blessed here, we're blessed yeah. in that position, aren't we? Really are. Yep, Samson Lee completely agree with that, tight head. Uh one change I would make in the second row, Ty Byrne, as we said, just continues to impress, so I'd leave him in there. Bullbring I thought was very good, but as I said, I, I thought Seb Davis has, has gone about his business really well so far and got through plenty of carries, plenty of line-out work. I think he's going to be crucial for That's the Blues this season. Row, two weeks in a row, then. Two weeks in a row. And then their back row is Shingler, Boyd and Barkley. Again, can't really disagree with that, but I am just going to go for Tipperick in there. I thought, you know, again, in a side that was that had a really tough day at the office, just watching Justin Tipperick is an absolute pleasure you know we always talk about how good he is in the wide channels his defence is phenomenal he's fantastic over the ball and I thought even in a, on a day when his team isn't playing that well and just to pick someone who isn't the Scarlet uh, I'm going to put Justin Tipperick in there as well Sounds good so Not too that, many yeah. changes then? Not too many changes I think the I think the boys uh, the boys from Madrag have got that pretty much uh, Pretty much we had on three, there. We had three last week, didn't we? So yeah, so they're the down thereabouts. So the yeah, but yeah, make sure uh, make sure you check that out, and um, and yeah, feel free to tell us what you think as well, and you can do so by doing that on Twitter at Attacking Scrum, and you can do it on Facebook as well. Uh, we've been doing a bit more on Instagram these days as well, so yeah, make sure you give us a follow on there, and uh, yeah, leave us a review on iTunes as well, which is massively appreciated if you do that. We'll be back to chat more rugby to you next week. And uh, yeah, you'll be back in the familiar position of watching more rugby this time next week when you're done. Absolutely, yeah. I'll uh, I'll definitely be watching all the games again. That's it. I can't remember the last time I didn't see. Uh, I know. So it's little rugby as uh, as I did uh, as I did last weekend or this weekend. But uh, yeah, I'll be back. Awesome. Well, hopefully you'll be back next week with us as well, and we'll look forward to chatting to you then. Podcast Network.